As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to MAF Sports Take. Whether it's breaking news or sports business, this is your home for unmuzzled and unconventional sports talk. With assistant general manager, director of player personnel, and three-time world champion on his resume, David Turner has a thing or two to teach you about pro football. At his side is Ryan Roberts, former college football player, football coach, and NFL Draft Bible's director of scouting. Together, they're here to take you on a deep dive into what goes on in the world of sports. Ryan and David, take it away. Welcome to Nav Sports Take. It is episode 42, your weekly podcast for sports business and a whole lot more. Here we tackle the business of all the news that you hear about and a lot that you don't. Tonight, David and I will be welcoming our guest, Eric Day, from the Ford Podcast. We'll be discussing male role models in athletes' lives and how they are off, often from outside the home in the form of coaches and mentors. David Turner. We had a week off, man. You haven't seen me for like a while now. I know you probably cried yourself to sleep last Tuesday, my friend, but how long <laughs> you this evening? We doing all right? Doing great. I mean, honestly, that was probably the longest break you and I have been on since we met last draft in, in 2020. I thought about it. I was just like, Ryan and I have been doing Friday Night Scout School podcasts. I mean, draft wow. shows, <laughs> just so yeah. much. I was like, man, I, I was like, I couldn't believe we, we stayed apart from each other so long. <laughs> I know it, it did give me some good, uh, David. I actually just tweeted this out. I did have some good, you know, recollection of some of my draft takes from this last past cycle. And uh, you remember this one show in particular? I'm going to go off on a slight tangent here for a second because it made Shocker. me angry. Yeah, I know, I know. You know, so you, David Turner doesn't pat me on the back too much. I got to pat myself on the back. So, David, you remember once you break upon your a time, arm patting yourself on the back. I, I don't need to break. You the remember other. once upon a time, I was ridiculed on a podcast and called Click Daddy and co- called Click Daddy for several weeks for the takes. And these are the three takes I was called Click Daddy for. You ready for three. it? Three. One. I had a mock draft in the middle of the season. Trade Lance over Justin Fields. Oh, that's never going to happen. Okay. All right. Cool. The second take I had was I had both Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne being drafted by the same football team in the first round. Called an idiot. Not an idiot. Just click that. But they weren't the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's okay. It's okay. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Number three. (laughs) It counts. It counts. Number three. J.C. Horde quarterback won when that was an extreme hot take. So I would just like to say 
The click daddy thing, it ends today. I was just recollecting on it. It's over. It's absolutely over. You might want to call me a draft guru, if anything. I think that's hilarious, dude. Yes. Now you yes. obviously you you know what, Ryan? You know, I, I applaud your ability to grade players and, and put them out there and stuff. I just have fun with you because at the end of the day, you you're usually so far ahead, it's like we can't see it because we haven't graded the tape like you. And then when we get around to it, it's like, oh, Ryan might be right here. <laughs> wow, David, that was so nice. See, David Turk does pat me on the back. I love it, man. I love it. But I know that Not too David, hard, though. I don't have to. I know, I know. You know, we'll chill it out a little bit. I, and I don't have to tell Mr. David Turner that how much I missed him. It's only, It's been a couple weeks since we've been able to talk ball. And very honestly, in this dead period that we are kind of, you know, just watching, you know, rookies throw the football around in practice and some voluntary work and all this type of stuff. And college football spring practices behind us. This is one of my favorite moments of the week is be able to talk football and talk just sports in general. So we're looking forward to this episode before we get into it. Are you a new agent that is looking to learn how to develop your business the right way? Yes. Well, here at Maverick Sports Consulting, we offer year-round consulting packages to guide you from conception of your agency to booking your 100th client. Learn from our newly two decades of ex- nearly two decades of experience of how to start, develop, and sustain your agency in the right way. We work alongside you to develop your own unique recruiting method, branding, and teach you how to create and maintain relationships with professional teams. We are here to help you maximize every step you take creating your agency and book of business. Head to maverick.sportsconsulting.com today for more information. So we're going to have Mr. Derek Day on in a couple minutes. I know that we really want to dive heavy into the conversation of mentorship. And, um, you know, there's a wide scope of things that he's going to talk about, love and process. And it's a fantastic work that he does. But I want to start this off, David. Have some fun topics for you tonight, man. Have some Uh fun topics. A new new segment that we're going to introduce to the show. But I kind of started us off with, so I made a Twitter post the other day. We are live here also. I forgot to mention that. We are live here on Twitter, <laughs> YouTube, and Facebook at Mav underscore sports. If you're following us along live, we take questions all night. So be sure to throw it in the chat on whatever platform you are watching tonight. So I did a hot take episode of tonight because, I, I mean, I'm an idiot, David. You know, enough patting myself on the back. I'm an idiot for a sec because we record on Tuesdays every week. And there is nothing better than some Hot Take Tuesdays, baby. Let's forget Taco Tuesdays. Hot Take Tuesdays. Hot Take Tuesdays. Here we go. Woo. So, so I opened it up to our fabulous listeners, our fabulous followers, and I said, give us hot takes. And I didn't say it, not just sports. It could be anything. I said it could be holidays. It could be food. It could be Ooh. anything at all. And we got a few good ones. We got a couple ones that are a little, a little kind of similarly related to. So, David, I have some extreme feelings on a few of these. So let's start it here, okay? Mark Jarvis started us with shout out to Uh-oh. Jarvis scouting on Twitter. He said, Turkey on Thanksgiving is overrated. David Turner, I am very, I have a very strong opinion on this. So I would love to hear your opinion on it. Jarvis, you're an idiot. <laughs> you're a straight up idiot. Turkey on Thanksgiving is what Turkey stuffing and mashed potatoes with some string beans and some gravy and a hot roll. What else the hell do you need for Thanksgiving? What do you eat? Duck? I mean, Jarvis is probably like over there eating a, you know, a big old duck breast or something. And he's calling it Thanksgiving. I mean, come on, bro. Like, 
we don't need to get into the whole messaging of Thanksgiving or anything, but the meal itself is my favorite meal. Like I, I like if I was in prison, last meal would be Thanksgiving meal. What? Like that, I would go to the grave with that in my belly. So for him to come at me and be like, you know, he's, you know, this is a way. Oh, get out of here, Jarvis. So, all right, here's my opinion. You ready for this statement? My wife is a lot like you. She's a lot like you. Her, it's her favorite meal, Thanksgiving meal. Yeah, like- it's the best, dude. You got stuffing, you got turkey, you got mashed potatoes, gravy. I'm hungry. Oh my god, we might have to end early. I might have to go get some. So I will say this, and there's another there's another take that was very closely related. Alex Gilstrap said Thanksgiving food is absurdly overrated. So he uh, kind of agreed with this take a little bit. I took it a step further, not just turkey. I will say this. Mac and cheese, elite. Mashed potatoes, elite. Those crescent rolls or just regular rolls, elite. There's a lot of good food. I'm a big sweet potato guy. So, like, yes. When did mac and cheese become? I'm going to be honest with you. When did mac and cheese become a Thanksgiving? Like, I don't get that. Like, to me, it was was sweet potatoes. It was mashed potatoes. I mean, I'm being honest. Pilgrims didn't have mac and cheese. So, when did mac and cheese become... When did mac and cheese become part of the Thanksgiving feast? That's what I want to know. When people decided that they wanted good food on Thanksgiving. They're like, <laughs> let's throw some mac and cheese on there. So I think mac and cheese became what they served the kids to make sure the kids eat something. And it just got adopted to the adult table because someone like me was like, ooh, there's mac and cheese too. <laughs> I will say, man, 29-year-old Ryan Roberts is eating that mac and cheese every chance he could get. So those are elites. Mashed potatoes, I mean. That's like the that's a goat in my. Oh, opinion. dude, I was at home last week. My mom made some mashed potatoes and some for some for some stuff that she was making. Yeah, I was just like lathered up in it for like two days. It's a more I, I gained seven pounds at my mom's house just last week. Seven pounds. And, and the be, and the best mashed potatoes like gravy's good. I I mean I, everybody likes gravy. The best mashed potatoes though, you don't even need the gravy on them. They got no, the butter so and I'm like yeah, par, yeah. a little bit of parsley, some garlic. Like yes, that is the mashed potato. But to go back to the original take from Mark Jarvis, shout out to Alex Gilstrap too for giving us a, the, the, the add on to that take. Turkey stinks. Tur- I'm, I'm, turkey sucks, dude. It's no. awful. No, You're I, wrong. I don't You're like wrong. turkey. I don't like turkey. Why? Why? I like it's like a once a year. Well, thing. I guess you won't. You know, you, you, I guess you guess you won't eat what you are. So, <laughs> <laughs> David, I, like, what? all right. So I can talk myself up to it. Like, oh, once a year, I'm going to enjoy turkey. The rest of the year, like, I don't crave turkey. You don't just go to the deli and get a turkey sandwich? I don't. I honestly don't. No, no. Oh, like, my god. Yeah, like, I can eat chicken almost every day. Turkey, it's dry, dude. Like, I had pretty good turkey this year, though, I will admit. So I had smoked turkey for the first time, and it tasted like ham, dude. It was good. That was good. I, I'll eat, I would eat that. When you come to Arizona, I'll smoke you a turkey breast. You'll love it. No, no, no. Yeah, smoked turkey. I can get down with. I mean, honestly, it tasted like ham. I bit into it and I was like, is this ham? And my wife's like, no, it's it's turkey. I'm like, oh, okay. I, I can get down with this a little more than regular turkey. Turkey's so hard though, man. Like it's hard not to make it dry. Like it's it's no, not, it's not. You just gotta not. time it, man. You just gotta, you know, you just gotta be attentive. Something I, you're I, not. <laughs> I think it's I think it's very overrated. I don't know. So we got a couple of awesome Thanksgiving takes. Um, then we got an add-on for the holiday theme okay so we had someone that said thanksgiving is greater than the fourth of july which is greater than christmas so taking this one in all right so i i completely disagree with this take david completely disagree okay Okay. um 
Let me I love I love Thanksgiving as much as anybody because for me, like we already talked about the food. The food is mostly good, but like family and football, right? Like the, the, the other two F's in that conversation. Like, yes, that is fantastic. Fourth of July, eh, it's my dad's birthday, but like I don't know. Do, like, do you celebrate Fourth of July hard? Like, I'm not really a, a firecracker, fire, you know, firework type of person. Like, I, I mean, I like the significance of Fourth of July, but like, it's, I don't know. The ho- actual holiday for me isn't that significant. And then for me, though, Christmas above all of these holidays. Like, Christmas is number one. Thanksgiving is number two, and then who cares what else is after that? In my, opinion. you know what? I, I I differ with you here a little bit. Okay. And, and I think it's just because of my upbringing a little bit. We put a lot of pressure on Christmas and, the, and Thanksgiving and Easter. You know, those, those, those major Italian holidays put a lot of pressure on delivering not only with the right food and everything, but with other, you know, with just other things. So, you know, for me, I like the no pressure holidays. Like, you know, for me, like uh, 4th of July, uh, St. Paddy's Day, Halloween's like my favorite holiday because you just – you just show up and you dress out and something wild and wacky and you have fun and the kids have candy and, um, and, and it's great. So, you know, for me, I'm just like, this is that I, I kind of like those no pressure holidays when it comes to celebrating them. And 4th of July to me is one of the funnest ones because really, you know, you just go out to a boat somewhere and you, and you like, you know, cruise along a river and you drink some beers and the kids are jumping off swimming and you know, it's, it's, it's just fun. It, you know, everything is focused around fun and there's no pressure on gifts. There's no pressures on getting the food right or whatever. It's just, you're going to have some hot dogs and hamburgers and that's the way it's going to be. You know, you know, you know, my first, uh, my first 4th of July memory, David, we used to go to Cooper river here all the time. And they used to have concerts on Cooper river, Pat Benatar. I think that was my first concert it was a Pat Benatar concert on Cooper river on the 4th of July. So there you go. That's my 4th of July memory for me though. It's boring. I don't know. Just it's fine. It's good. You know, it, it's it's it is what it is. So that was another take that we had, and then this leads me into the most asinine, idiotic take that I've ever heard in my life. Shout out, though, of course, to originally that was for Chief Dog Ten that sent us the Thanksgiving Fourth of July Christmas take. This one by Mister Michael Wolf M- Mitchell T at Mitchell T Wolf. Everyone, go slander him right now, David. Listen to this take. Are you ready for this? I am. Cheese is largely unnecessary. Excuse me. What kind of listeners do we have? <laughs> right. I, love I mean, who's food. listening what? to us? Like, do you not hear the way we talk about food? And you're coming at like turkey sucks, Thanksgiving's what? Like now cheese? Now you're attacking cheese? What, what, I don't understand what the fundamental problem of cheese is. Cheese makes everything better. It's not unnecessary. It makes everything better. If you're a health nut, I guess you can say like, oh, cheese is unnecessary because like it's just like an add-on and stuff like that. But like what have you ever put cheese on that it didn't make it better? Honestly, when has that ever happened? You know, for me, I like cheese as a compliment or or like, you know, cheese and crackers sometimes is just delicious. Just delicious. Strange. You know, but – but I don't I'm not one of those I don't do cheesy sauces like I'm not one of those guys that like cream and cheese sauce and stuff I don't you know I'm not a big guy like that so I get that part I don't need to you know I I like a little a hint of cheese or a little slice of cheese I'm not one of those people that go to you know go get a cheeseburger and put double and triple slices of cheese on there nah that's not me you know I like I like it to you know complement the food and pair it well 
Like the other night, I had a Five Guys cheeseburger. It was delicious. It was oh delicious. my god, dude! I love Five Guys. Their oh. fries are the best, and you know, I add a little cheeseburger. The bottomless so- fries, dude! So many fries. It's fantastic. yeah. It's just, I mean, you, you can't go a regular order. You're never gonna finish. You just gotta go small. You just right. gotta go small. I mean, if you go a regular order, you better be splitting it. Because if you're a one person eating machine and you can do a double cheeseburger, a patty from there, and a regular fry, and finish that with a milkshake, God bless you. I would, I mean, I would be in the hospital trying to get my stomach pumped if I tried to eat all that from Five Guys. Do they have good milkshakes? I've never had a milkshake from Five Guys. Oh, yeah, they got good, they got good shakes there too. So it's just, you know, for me, I just got, you know, I got a Coke, got a Coke. You know, I was kind of limiting myself, but I like it. But I was really, I don't know why I had it in my head. I needed a cheeseburger instead of going to In and Out. I was like, nah, I'm going to Five Guys. And, you know, I was just like so happy afterwards. I was like, this is perfect. This is just perfect. This made this this take just made me so upset because I love cheese, dude. Like I love it. I don't understand. Like, who, who, is this? What are you not getting cheese on your pizza? Like, what what are you doing here? Oh my god, my cousin had a girlfriend one time and she had no cheese pizza. Well, like a she, tomato pie, like a tomato pie. It, like, it was yeah, it was just sauce and like toppings, and there was no cheese on it. And I know there's some people that dairy, you know, bothers them. They can't have it. I get it. My wife, but, yeah, sure, but. Yeah. But she ordered it for like two pies that way for the house. And I'm looking at her like, why do I have to suffer? (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. Like, what what did I do to you? It's like, you know, you can get your pie that way, but can I get mine like regular? Like, come on. What's your what's your go to pizza, David? If you have if like your perfect pie. Well, okay, it's a little different, but you know, Uh, the one I enjoy the most is it it's not pineapple, please. No, it's not pineapple. Okay, good. No, no. But it's it's not everybody's cup of tea. And I actually had a breakup with a girl because of this one time. <laughs> I did. I couldn't. I knew it wasn't going to last. This was a test, and I knew it wasn't going to work. Because, <sighs> because I love double mushrooms on my pie. Just straight up double mushrooms. Nothing else. Don't need sausage. Don't need pepperoni. Just double mushrooms. And so I love to just pack on the mushrooms, right? And the girl and this girl, when I ordered the pizza, she's like, "Oh, I'm gonna have to get something else. I don't eat mushrooms." I'm like, "Yeah, this is not gonna work." <laughs> That's when you knew. <laughs> That's when I knew when she said she doesn't eat mushrooms. I'm like, "This is not gonna work. This is she's not made for me, not at all. This is not happening." Because I'm like, "There's, I mean, if you can't have a, enjoy a slice of double mushroom pizza, we are worlds apart." I, I don't like mushrooms either, so I'm there with her. Yeah, well, you know, there's reasons why you know we're I'm not about to break up. your dreams either, I guess. So it's good, it's good to hear. Um, okay, segwaying, uh, seg, segwaying, seg, segwaying, segway, <laughs> segway. But let's make a segue here, uh, David. We're going to talk. And thank you so much to everybody that submitted these fantastic hot takes. I think we're going to start to make it a, a weekly thing, but we want to. Talk a little bit about some current events. And right now, I kind of said it already. We're in a little bit of a lull for football. We're waiting for fall camp. Well, well, we're waiting for summer workouts, and we're waiting for fall camp. We're waiting for all that good stuff. Right now, we're in the midst of baseball season, hockey playoffs, NBA playoffs, right? So this is a big topic for me, Dave, and I think we need to talk about it briefly here. Is I'm watching the NBA because I'm very curious. The Philadelphia 76ers are the number one seed in the East. And, you know, I am right outside of Philadelphia and I've been a lifelong 76ers fan since, you know, when I was growing up and Allen Iverson was the man. So it seems like, David, that 
you know, that we have had limited capacity for people to go to these games, you know, and then all of a sudden, and thankfully, the country seems to be going in the right direction. I went to a store the other day, forgot my mask, and it actually was not intentional, but I walked in and then I realized we already lifted everything. So I didn't technically need that mask. I did go, I did turn around and go and get my mask because I still want it to be safe, you know, just to, you know, for cognizant of people's feelings, right? Empathy. We're going to talk about empathy in a couple of minutes. So I, I did go and get my mask, but it was nice just to see that well, at least we're heading in what is perceived as a good direction. So now people, more people are able to go back into these Sixers games and these NBA games in general. And we have seen not one, not two, but three to four incidents already, a couple, including the Sixers, that are very bad reflection of the fans of the NBA. So we'll just leave it at that. So one incident was we had Russell Westbrook for the Washington Wizards got popcorn dumped on him, uh, which led to an altercation. We saw a fan at the at the Sixers game run onto the floor and jump up and grab the rim and proceed to get tackled by security. We saw a player get spit on um, during the um, during the it was Kyrie Irving, so it was the Nets game. So we are seeing a lot of these circumstance and a lot of these things happening, David. And it is a real shame that things are perceived to go in the right direction. We finally get fans in the stands at a more high capacity. And fans don't know how to react and to handle their business. They just, it's it like they were locked up for so long and now they have to run out and be wild dogs. It is. No, crazy. you know what? This happened. Remember in Buffalo a few years ago, we had guys arguing with guys in the stands and they were getting spit on. And, and then we, you know, we, we, we dealt with snowball fights and, you know, Cleveland before, and we've seen it in football. We've seen, you know, yeah. the misbehaving, you know, attitude and the, and, and again, we saw in basketball many years ago where there was, I think it was Detroit. Mal- there Malice in the palace. Yeah. Yeah. There was fighting in the stands with all the fans and everything. It's just, you know, and again, I don't, I don't agree with any players going in the stands. The players have a right to be protected at their place of work and that their place of business is a court or a field or wherever they're at. So security needs to be on top of this stuff and obviously take care of it. So the players, don't don't try to go take care of it themselves. They need to feel protected, obviously. Sure. Um, but the fans' code of conduct, they, I mean, they need to understand, you know, you're there to observe and cheer for a game. You're not there to batter and uh, maliciously attack a man or a woman who's performing on the court or on the, or on the field or something. You're there to cheer for your team, enjoy the environment of a sporting event, and then go home and everybody's safe. You know, you're safe, they're safe. That's the way it goes. I mean, shoot, I used to work for the Raiders five years and I've seen a lot of stuff in our stands and I'm just like, man, you know what? Don't bring that to the stadium. Leave that in the parking lot. Come in to have a good time. Enjoy the game. Yeah, you're going to realize things aren't going to break your way or their way every time, but there's no need to fight or disrespect somebody who's performing at their business. I mean, I'm not going to come to your cubicle and spit on you. I'm not going to come to your cubicle and pour popcorn on you. You probably wish I would, but guess what? It's just, that's disrespectful. So I'm not going to do that. Right. You know? And it's like a lot of these fans feel like they have ownership because they, they pay their salaries with their ticket purchase and stuff. But Hey, guess what? Whoever buys your product, your services at your company, 
those clients that pay your bills, you want them to come in when they're disappointed. And, you know, imagine if, you know, everybody's going into ATT for disappointment service and pouring popcorn on people and spitting on them. I mean, come on. Hey, be be more mature. Let's not let's, let's clean it up. Huh, Cleveland? I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, that's the worst. I had part, a channel Marty there for a second. Yeah. I had a channel Marty there for a second. I know. Well, that's the worst part of it, though. It's like, you know, heckling of players and stuff like that. Like, that's one thing. I think that people could take player fans could definitely take that too far. But like the minute that you touch a player or you spit on them, like brother, that is insane to me. Yeah, if you, you throw say- something, if you spit on them, if, and again, if you say something racially or, right. or homophobic right. or anti-Semitic, I mean, keep it keep it in the wheelhouse of of trash talking. That's one thing. And honestly, when people do it, and I'm in the stands next to me. I tell them shut up because yeah. I'm like, you know, have the have the guy reseat you. If they tell me to leave, guess who's leaving? They're leaving. Because I'm not dealing with that. That's not what I paid my ticket, my hard-earned money for. So, no. Right. And I don't even know if you saw it. There was like a minor league baseball game where this dude ran up right to the mound and tried to fight a pitcher. And it was just like, one, how did he get onto the field so quickly? But two, like, man, like, what is wrong with some people right now? Like, I don't understand. It's like we, we can't have nice things. Like, people just have to win things. So, <laughs> you sound like my grandmother. You want to know why we can't have nice things? This is why we can't have nice things right here. This is why we can't have it right there. Well, we have a great guest that's about to come on. Before we do, Maverick Sports Consulting is up for the challenge in remodeling your social media branding. We will customize your social media accounts to properly and accurately depict your messaging to attract future employers. Stop searching for inroads and construct them with your social media planning. We will work with you to lay the foundation for a successful social media campaign to attract your next opportunity. Please go to maverick.sportsconsulting.com today to move your social media forward. So we are going to bring on a man that I know we're really excited to talk about. This is going to be a deep conversation that I am looking forward to having here. We are bringing on Mr. Derek Day, who is the host of the Forward podcast, where he talks about things that push the envelope and advance the state of human being while lambasting and castigating things that hold humanity back and result in human doing. The Forward podcast also interviews people who are active in moving the needle in science, education, athletics, politics, and spirituality. The listener will be provoked to think and apply instinctive analysis to what they hear and translate into insightful application. Welcoming Derek Day onto the show for the first time. Derek, appreciate you for joining us tonight, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Ryan and David. How are y'all doing? Oh, we're great. We're excited to have you on, man. Man, you know, you know, I I got caught up in work, and listen, I, <laughs> it's a long story, but anyway, I'm here, and uh, and I'm happy. I'm happy to be here. Well, Derek, it's it's a pleasure for me to meet you for the first time. I know David speaks barely highly of you, so I'm excited to get into this conversation. We kind of wanted to start it out because we are excited to host you on this show because your show, The Ford, which I kind of previewed a little bit, really pushes the envelope on thinking of how to view our world. So my question to start you out with is, can you give us a little more of an in-depth look into your podcast and how you came up with the concept for your show? Well, it's really straightforward. (laughs) Uh, The idea is there are things that happen that move humanity forward. Um, Quantum physics, uh, medicine, 
chemistry, engineering, all of these things, technology in general. Uh, and then there are some more esoteric things like philosophy, psychology that move the needle forward. And I really believe that it is the role or the responsibility of every human being to be the best human being that they can be. But you can only be the best that you can be by moving forward. And I like to uh, analogize this by saying that there is a reason why the windshield is 10 times larger than the rearview mirror. So the idea is the, the podcast is to be a beacon of thought leadership that helps to move the needle forward. Now, I know you talk about this in the in the sense of so many different aspects. And again, one of them is athletics. And yep. obviously, that's our forte. So that's why we're going to bring you on tonight and ask you about some of the things that you talk about on your show and how they relate in the essence of sports, athletes, people you've interacted with in your life and, mm-hmm. and a little bit of, um, you know, the social justice stuff a little bit later. But yep. one of your shows that caught my attention, um, you, you talk about the concept of love. And how yep. it consists of com- two two components: empathy and compassion. Yep. All right. And how now? How do you see that concept trans translate? Those rules translate to athletics. Now I'm leaving it a broad stroke conversation, yeah. refer, but I'm going to needle you down once I get your answer. Well, I, and, and that's a very good question because you. I was listening to you guys, and you guys were talking about fan misbehavior. Right. And and empathy and compassion really feeds into that, because if I have empathy, that is, I'm willing to see it through the lens of my opponent. Then I'm going to act a certain way because I'm not I'm not going to just be reactive. I'm going to look at this in a very analytical, but at at the same time, a very uh, humanistic way. Uh, The second thing is compassion is, is saying, Hey, I, you know, I really give a shit, right? I'm concerned about how you feel. I'm concerned about what your, what your take on this is. And when we look at sports, I mean, I'll tell you something. I used to coach youth basketball and, and, and I was very good at both, uh, scouting talent and cultivating talent. And I would get a lot of talented players. Now, here's the funny thing that I coached in the, in the city league. So I, I really, the only way I was able to get to pick and choose my players was to get players that I had before. And the city allowed you to do that. But most of the time I'd, I'd find a kid and I find something that they could do well. And I'd really drill into that. So in youth sports, it's it's very egocentric, very uh, competitive. And when they would see that I had an advantage, they would try to negate the advantage. And usually they try to do it by fouls and, you know, calls and things like that. But if you if you see your opposition through the lens of empathy and compassion and you understand, hey, we're all here to have a good time. We're all here to do the same thing. Then what happens is you have a better perspective on what it is that you're doing and you're less likely to misbehave. If that makes sense. No, it does. But now let's take that and translate it. Like you said, into the, the passion fans have for their teams and even Mm -hmm. 
the parents that have the passion yep. for their children playing sports. Mm-hmm. How can we get that passion to coincide with empathy and compassion Balance. for for a, a, a very you know a frothy mm-hmm. stand experience? <laughs> okay, like, but contained in a proper mindset. You know what? When we walk away from the field of play, we have to all be part of the same community. We, we have to go on forward with our work lives, our family lives, our business lives. And, and when you, when you take this beyond what is normal, healthy competition, you run the risk of being a pariah in your community, being someone who no one wants to do business with. Uh, there are challenges. So the thing is, remember, your place in the overarching sphere of humanity. If you are willing to, you know, we, we talk about in sports and I'm, I'm a former athlete. I know you guys are too. And, and we talk about leaving things on the field, putting it all on the field, just, you know, going all out balls to the wall. But when you leave the field of play, you're you're not looking for the next tackle. You're not looking for the next go to the cup. You're not looking for the next uh, the next long drive. It, it, it's basically you're you're stepping away from that. And there are things that you might things in life that you might associate with your sport, but the sport is over. And and that's the thing we have to understand that that we are in this mode for however long the game is. You know. Uh, whether it's basketball, football, baseball, whatever the duration of the game is, but once the once the game is called, the game is over, and you have to remember that I have to live beyond that. And this is this is a funny thing, like um, it, you know, fans throwing things at um, at players. And I, I remember back in the day when I lived in Philly, the the the, the great battery incident. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I was I was batteries out. I was there. I was there. I was there at that game. And the the thing is, is okay. What happens if you injure someone? You you injure your a player on your team. Now you have incapacitated your team simply because you had a moment of anger that you were unwilling, not unable, but unwilling Unwilling. to control. Yeah. And and you have to remember that like, and here's the thing you're up in the stands and you're throwing batteries, you know, and you know, you, you hit a player in the head. Now, all the rest of the fans there now they they're just as mad as you are but now they're mad at you because you injured a guy who's uh who may be essential to playoff hopes sure and now you're on the risk of getting your ass kicked by everybody else in the stand <laughs> you know because the, the the player can't do anything he's on the field security might be able to come up and address you but but there are people that are right next to you that you really don't know how they're going to behave in the heat of the moment so the the thing to do is just remember we are all human and we all have to occupy this big 
uh, muddy rock in space together. <laughs> muddy rock in space. I, love I, I like that phrase. I, Derek, one thing that's really interesting to me, and I know that you, you hit on empathy. That's a word that I use a ton in my, mm -hmm. I'm a, so my, my profession outside of the sports realm is I'm in education as well. And I work in a, um, at a school where it is predominantly, yes, a predominantly um, African-American or some type of, you know, a, a, a student of color. All right. Yeah. So yeah. Um, that is the demographic that I work with. And a lot of times we'll talk. And so I have a co-teacher that is a black man. Mm -hmm. So we are a weird pairing, especially when we talk about, you know, the, the, the verdict coming down or the march on the Capitol and all these obviously very serious topics that we want to be able to ha have a conversation with the students. And honestly, sometimes I feel like th my students will look at me and be like, well, he's a white guy. What does he know about racism? Right. Mm -hmm. We always talk about empathy, being able to understand what one another is seeing that the, the what, what, you know, put each other in their shoes. You know, that obviously that's the huge saying. So I love the term empathy. And mm -hmm. one thing I want to talk about a little bit is we're I'm still taking it from the sports realm for a second is I feel like sometimes, well, not sometimes all the time, people, <laughs> people idolize these players and they forget that at the end of the day, they are people, right? Yeah. Like they're just figures to them. They're just symbols. And I'm just curious um, if you think that it is just the flawed kind of perspective that people look at these players as more just like they're, they're objects, they're symbols, and they're actually people. Yep. And, and that you just hit on something really, really huge. Um, and, and first of all, let me say this, that as a black man, mm -hmm. I, I have a, a great deal of respect for, uh, for white guys, white people in general, that, that extend the level of empathy that both of you guys have. I mean, because it, it's it's um, it, it's it's a very special thing, um, and and whenever I encounter another black person who doesn't have empathy for a white person having empathy, well, I try to speak up about that. I, I don't give hall passes to things like that. You know, the the thing is that we have to understand that there that, that everybody that doesn't look like us is not our adversary that's number 1 so i wanted to address that number 2 i have a unique perspective in this because uh one of my cousins he is the 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 son of the oldest son of my first cousin and his name is Todd Day you may have heard of him and 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 part part of that thing with with Todd and 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 listen, I have a shit ton of famous relatives. I'll I'll be really honest. I come from a a family of high achievers, <laughs> but the the thing is is that I've I've had the opportunity to look at people <clears throat> who are in high achieving positions or highly competitive or highly visible positions, and I learned something from this. I learned that they put their pants on one leg at a time. Sure. There, there, there is no fundamental difference from the guy on the court, the lady on the tee, or the guy on the rink. We are all human beings. And we, we all have our own strengths, weaknesses, and idiosyncrasies. 
And everybody needs to come to the table recognizing this. Now, where I'm going with this is that some people don't have a perspective on celebrity. And when you don't have that perspective, when when your understanding of celebrity is Michael Jordan or Kyrie Irving or LeBron James or Kim Kardashian, your, your perspective on these people as people is going to be flawed because you see them as icons. They do something that entertains you. They do something that that gives you an emotional rise. And at the end of the day, these people, they have joy, they cry, they eat, and they shit like everyone else. And if... And well, you know, listen, and and some and some of them, it's verbal diarrhea, right? <laughs> uh, but the the thing is, is that we have to first get beyond the whole objectification of people and see them as human, and, and that that's that's a big thing for me. So when when um, I hear people talking about celebrities and. Um, and I, I think to myself, I said, do you really understand what these people might be going through? What they're what they're dealing with? What what uh, like I'll give you a, a really great example and then I'll shut up. Dwayne Wade and his son that identifies as female. Mm-hmm. And and that is a thing between him and his child. It has absolutely nothing to do with his ability to dribble a basketball, has nothing with to do with his ability to call a game, has nothing to do with his ability to endorse a product. It's just a thing that he has to, it's part of his life. Now, this does not impact me directly in any way, shape, form, or fashion. So I don't care. Mm-hmm. I look at this well, let me put it this way. I care in the regard that everybody should be free to live their life as they choose to. And 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 people should be able to openly discuss challenging aspects of their lives without being judged. Yeah. So I said a lot there. But that's that's kind of where I am with that. That's fantastic. <laughs> well, you know, we've seen a lot of social uh consciousness and um, awareness, I should say, maybe reach into the sports realm this past year, you mm-hmm. know, with, with the uh, murder of uh, George Floyd and so many others um, and the outreach um, that we've seen athletes take and, you know, the statements that have been made. Do you feel that it's adding to or subtracting from the social consciousness of our, our current landscape in general, you know what? I don't, I see it as neutral. You know, before we had social media and uh, instant gratification through cell phones and all of that, we had people like Paul Robeson who were, who was vocal about um, being black and an athlete. We had Jesse Owens, um, 
and then in the in the television era, we had people like Muhammad Ali, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Jim Brown, Kirk Flood, people that 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 they spoke up on the social issues of the day, and they suffered. You know, and, and the, the interesting thing is, is I, I think it's funny now how everybody views Muhammad Ali as this universal hero. But that was not how he was viewed in the prime of his career. No. He was considered a terrorist, a traitor. He was a pariah to, a, to most Americans. I mean, how dare he speak out against the Vietnam War? How dare he decline to continue to use the slave name? How dare he? So... I think it's interesting how Colin Kaepernick, and I'm going to say this, this is a sports show. Bring it. Yeah. Somebody, God damn it, give Cap a ride give or give him a tryout. Let him at least prove that he can or prove that he can't. Um, because what he did, he, and I'll say this, that as a black man in America, there is no proper way to protest. If if I'm vocal, I'm too vocal. Right. If I'm quiet, I'm too quiet. If I'm if I'm economically driven, I, I'm I'm too political. And if I riot, then I'm a thug. And and there is no winning. In in other words, if if you are black in America and you feel like you're being oppressed, being abused, being disenfranchised, whatever the case may be, then the only proper protest is to sit down and shut your black ass up. That's the only proper protest. Now, here's the thing that I'm in addition to being all of the, wearing all the other hats that I wear, the two most important hats that I wear is I am a husband and I am a father. I have five sons from 27 to 16. And every time they have to go out publicly, there's a part of me that's just completely unsettled. And I have to give them a conversation that perhaps you guys don't have to give your kids or other people's other people don't have to give their kids. And that is, please come home alive. And 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 you you don't really understand that until you get in the head of somebody that has to say that to their child. I mean, it's like, you know, I'm not Arbery. He went out for a jog. And 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 he's, you know, he's not coming home. The next time his family is going to see him is in a metal box. So the 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 thing is, I'm all for people that have public visual or visible positions using that platform as a springboard of influence. As a matter of fact, if you have that type of position and you don't, then that is an irresponsible use of what you've been given. 
you have a responsibility and 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 listen i don't care whether you're whether you're white black or or whatever i think that if you have a public forum then it is incumbent upon you to use that for the betterment of humanity if you don't then you are abusing your privilege i agree with you and you know the other thing i i, I often get in these conversations uh, with some of my friends, black coaches can't blow up on the sideline like a Bobby Knight. Mm-mm. You know what I'm saying? They can't throw chairs across the court and do that kind of behavior. They often have to talk politely to the referees. They have to come across, you know, uh, pragmatic and and you know respectful because mm. if they lose their stuff all over TV. And everything that that's the quickest way to lose their job. Yeah. And that and that's a restraint that again, every white coach in America, if if you've blown up on a referee and you've coached against a black coach and you've noticed bad calls go his way and he's asked to talk to him, mm-hmm. perfect example of your white privilege right there. You can lose your shit at a referee and not yeah. get a flag, not be told to back up, not be told that he's going to get kicked out of the game, rejected. Now, again, we've seen white coaches go overboard and they get ejected from games. We've seen it, mm-hmm. but I'm saying they, they charge the mound and they go running, you know, old Billy Martin charged the freaking umpire all the time and kick in his shoes and whatever. Yeah. And he, he got job after job after job, you know, it's yep. a, it's a luxury that they have that they don't recognize they have. And they want to throw examples of when they, you know, other people got thrown out or whatever. But it's like black coaches know they can't do it. Nope. Right. You know, I, I, I know we're looking from a, a sports perspective, obviously. But Derek, one thing that I applaud you for kind of talking about, and it's one thing that I've that we talk about all the time, and, and the equity work that we do at the school that I work at is. So I, I mentioned the the man that I teach with that is a black man. And mm-hmm. we had a deep conversation one time about the definition of what the word safety means, right? And you mm-hmm. talked about that a little bit. Safety for him is, I hope I don't, you know, I hope I come home today, right? Like, I hope yep. I don't get discriminated against just because the way I look. I hope I am safe today. Safety for in this equity work that we're doing for a white person, for me, is to feel like I can have this conversation safety in words comparative to safety and being alive. And I just, I just think that I, I, for the longest time, I had never even thought of that, that a word as simple as safe could be such a different meaning to another person. It it just had never kind of crossed my mind. And I think that you kind of encapsulated that thought just in, in your, in your long response, which some would call long winded, but I thought it was, captivating and i i I applaud you for just the perspective (laughs) on it personally well one of the things that i'm i'm never at a loss for words (laughs) i love it man either or Uh, you've never been accused of that never no 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 (laughs) last question before we get you out of here is what do you see and you've touched on this a little bit but i'd like to hear more in depth on this Mm -hmm. what do you see our role in social injustice movement being um, for us as, as a collective moving forward. What should you, you touched about those of us that do have podcasts, do have celebrity. We need to be talking about it and bringing it in and in, in supporting the movement. But what are some, what are some, I guess, specific roles that we can fill 
and 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 move forward with you know what um i i think that you guys the two of you do a fantastic job and i i, I want to applaud you um and i and i have some uh some other friends um some ex-pastors and uh, civic leaders and such business leaders uh, that have taken a, a stand to the degree that they've put their social, financial, and community capital at risk. They've, they've created challenging situations for themselves. And unfortunately, that's exactly what it takes. There are going to be, it's going to need, it's going to take people who are willing to go to the edge of this and scream, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Until everyone agrees that this is bad, that this is not only not good for black people, but it's not good for people in general. Until we all agree on that, there's not going to be any any visible change. And and I'm gonna tell you something. I gotta I gotta say this one thing. I got in trouble. I was I, I was a pastor. Um I had been in ministry uh for almost 30 years and um when I would talk to my white colleagues in ministry, they would say, well, Derek, don't make a big scene. Don't make a fuss. Just give it over to Jesus. And what I found is that Jesus wasn't going to do a goddamn thing. That the only thing that's going to make a difference is that when people actually take up the cause for themselves and realize that we are all in this together and that it only gets fixed when we apply our hands to it. The great Congressman John Lewis getting good trouble. That's it. Getting One of my heroes. One yeah. of my heroes. Until you get in that good trouble consistently and your efforts ain't going to be acknowledged and you ain't going to get nowhere. So yep, that's well, the way I see it. <clears throat> I, th I think that's a great note to end on, Derek. This has been really enlightening. Again, Derek Day here. Ch make sure to check out his podcast, The Forward. You can find it on any social media platform, to my knowledge. Derek, I'm going to give you like a minute or so if you just want to social media handles, leave, yep. leave us something to think about, whatever you want to throw at the at folks listening. I want to say this, that uh, first of all, you can reach me on Facebook, at uh, Derek Day Multimedia. It's facebook.com forward slash Derek Day Multimedia. Uh, you can reach me on Instagram and Twitter. My handle is Derek E. Day. It's D-E-R-R-I-C-K-E-D-A-Y. And I also have a YouTube channel, Derek Day. Uh, and as with, with the Mayo Sports Network and Forward, you can find that on the One Institution website, which is uh, www.oneinstitution.com. And the, this is what I'd like to say in parting is that, listen, love each other. And when I say love each other, I'm not talking about kumbaya, touchy-feely, you know, all of that. Uh, I'm saying empathy and compassion. Extend empathy and compassion, and not just to the people that you want to extend empathy and compassion to, but extend it to everyone. 
and together we will win. Well, Derek, I can't thank you enough for coming on and bringing your big world brain to <laughs> our little sports cast and, and talk about it because uh, like you said, love and compassion and empathy, everything fits in sports and you were able it to does. show our audience that here tonight. And it was relative with what Brian brought up earlier with all the, the fan stuff and everything. So we do hope everybody listening enjoys your podcast as much as I do. And we'll go over and listen to you as much as I do. Cool. I, I, I love you guys podcast too. Love what you guys do, man. It's, it's really awesome. Thank you so much. We love you. You're welcome back anytime. Just let us know when you're free. Likewise. Namaste guys. See you brother. Appreciate it. Peace. Baby, that was heavy, man, but a great conversation. I mean, heavy in the best possible way, the conversation that I needed to happen, like that needed to be talked about. So that was fantastic. Bravo to you. What a great guest that you brought us tonight. Well, you know, I'm really excited about having him on. I was, I told you that yesterday when you asked what we're doing for the show, I was like, Hey, I got Derek booked, you know, his, his view on the world from, again, he's a, he's a father, he's a former athlete. He's got Mm -hmm. family that are very famous He's been through and seen, he's a minister, like, you know, pastor. And so it's just like, you know, he's lived such a worldly life and his views are so honestly easy to follow. And, and I just love his spirit, who he is. Every time I talk to him, I'm always learning new things and new ideas and things. And when I saw the episode about love, I'm like, man, we got to talk about this. He's going to be able to translate this with the empathy and the compassion to sports in a way in which most people and hopefully our listeners uh didn't realize and then you tying in the word safety and how that works and 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 everything i just you know again this is something we're committed to you and i both we're committed to the social justice and injustice movement and it's something that we pair well together and our views on it are are you know in sync even though you know i'm a better scout than you this we're, we're in sync with so you know but we we joke around we have fun on this show all the time but from when, you know, a couple of weeks ago when we brought in our guest who is at the Coast Guard Academy and she can't yep. get a break. And and now Derek and we're going to have more coming over the ne- over the summer lull, as we call it, you know, so we don't beat down the football too much before it gets going again. We're going to we're going to bring a lot of these subjects and topics to the to the airways. And I hope our honestly, I really hope our fan base retweets, supports us, puts it back out there and continues to leave us comments and and stuff so we can you know work it into the show and we can gain their support through the process of us uh, having these shows through the summer and everything because i mean it's an important subject and and for us you, you for you and myself it really hits home so yeah and it's it's a conversation that people need to be open to having Right. And he talked, Derek talked about the little bit until everyone is open to the conversation, open to the change, change will not happen. Right. Like we all have to be on the same page. So great conversation in depth. We took it from a sports perspective mostly, but mostly just from a humanities perspective. Right. Like things just need to get better. So last thing we want to talk about today is we have always brought on great guests that bring a long resume and a lot of experience in their respective fields. And I wanted to add a new segment to this week. Next week, we'll do the secret sauce of scouting. We'll get back to it. But to end this, we're going to call this story time with Uncle Dave. All right? <laughs> story time with Uncle Dave. I don't know no. where you guys came up with the Uncle Dave. That's been following me for about six months now. 
Shout out to Jesse Fritch. I, I think he was the one that first. Was he the one that started Dave. that? I think so. So story time with Uncle Dave. Once in a while, we're going to do a little bit of story time. Going from your experiences in almost two decades of scouting, front office experience across the Arena League, National Football League, Canadian Football League. You've been in a lot of places, um, Hartford Colonials, right? So a yep. uh, lot of experiences. I kind of want to hone in on I want to randomly pick a memory that you can kind of relive with us. So this is story time with Uncle Dave. So, Dave, the topic here, David, for you is... Okay, you're giving me a topic. I was like, oh, topic. Yes. No, I'm not just going to be like, throw something out there. Oh, uh, no. First topic. The When I say this phrase, I want the first thing that comes to mind, okay? okay. So your topic is most memorable, uh, most memorable school visits on the recruiting trail, or recruiting, on the scouting trail. On the scouting trail. Wow. Oh, man. There's been so many. Um Pick one. Funniest. Let's go funniest. Let's throw in a different layer. Need something funny. Oh, well, here's 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 the best. Here's the oh. best one. Here's the best one. Okay. Going to eastern eastern Oregon. Right? Is it east, yeah, eastern Oregon. No, west western, western Oregon. Western Oregon. Western Oregon. Western Oregon. Oregon. Mm-hmm. When Kevin Boss was coming out. Giant former well, giant tight end. Yep. Yeah. So I'm sitting there. In this little room, just this tiny little room, <laughs> watching tape, and I met with the coaches. I talked to the trainers, and you know, I did all my work. And I just happened to look at the guy, and I was like, "Hey, is is Kevin around? Like, can I meet him?" You know, I, I they practiced in the morning, and I had drive. I drove in from like Eugene or somebody, so I missed practice, and they they weren't practicing again until the next day. So I was like, "I really would love to body type this guy if I could meet him. It would be great," you know. Mm-hmm. So they, they called him and he happened to be out of class. So he's like, yeah, I'll come over. I'm talking about like when he walked through the door, <laughs> I'm like, what the F is this dude doing here? Like, you know, I was like, he his, I mean, everything about him was NFL and D1 athlete, you know? And I was just like, man, like what the F is going on? I do. I start talking to him find out his brother's a soccer player in Brazil. His sister, I think, was a volleyball player at Eugene. Um, his mom and dad were both athletes in college. It was just like, I sat for like two hours. My parking meter ran out. I got a parking ticket. <laughs> and they had, a, and they were supposed to take care of it for me, and they didn't. Then I'm getting like oh, no. a call from this, the office that I need to pay this parking ticket. And I was just like, man, really? You guys are supposed to take care of that? Oh, yeah, we'll take care of it. Two more months go by. I get, you're, you know, It's gone up even more because you haven't paid it. I'm like, are you serious? I wound up being like a $200 parking ticket that I could have paid for 15 bucks if they would have just let me take it care of it. But, no, that was that was like the big – it was early in my career. I was like – I was like, wow, this is a uh, this is a surprise to go to such a small school because most of my small school visits were guys looking like me, you know? And it was just <laughs> like – and then all of a sudden, here comes Kevin Boss walking through, and I was just like, whoa, where did this guy come from? Like, like six foot seven, Kevin Boss just walking six, through. Six, six, 245, walking straight at you at Western Oregon. But he had a late growth spurt. I guess he graduated college at like six one or six two, and wow. then he and then he hit a, a growth spurt his sophomore year in college, which sprouted him up. And it was just like again, it was just a great conversation. I just wound up sitting there talking to him for a while and got to know him. It was it was awesome. So so for a visit like that, David, like all right, so 
had you like gotten word that like, Hey, there's this Western Oregon tight end, or had you seen tape on him before you got there? Like what, what kind of is the layout? No, I was back in the day school? when you didn't have Western Oregon tape, you right. just, you heard on the scouting trail that there was a kid over there. So while you're in Oregon, you might want to pop over and take a look at him. And, you know, that was your connections. And, you know, when you're at different schools, you say, you say, Hey, is there anybody in your conference I should know about whatever, you know, and you start hearing the chirping. And that, that's how scouting used to be. That's how you stumbled into those guys. Nowadays, it's too complicated. You, you don't really find the chirping anymore. They're always on somebody's list or some radar somewhere. Just Google it now. You know, Google has taken away the, the – I just go to Ryan Roberts, Rise and Draft, and if you don't have them, then they, they don't exist. Well, you can go to Rise and Draft, or you can go to Mavo underscore sports, or you can go to mavericksportsconsulting.com. All the great info that you need. We are on every social media platform here at Mav Sports Take – Want to give us a final shout-out of the night. Of course, David, I'm going to start because I, we need to end on you because you are the brains of the operation, I think. I'm the good looks. So I will say this was phenomenal, both from a, you know, just having Derek on. Like, again, that in-depth conversation for me was fantastic. I know we didn't even go, like, heavy into the sports world, quote-unquote. Like, it was a little more of a relaxed atmosphere outside of our deep conversation with Derek. But I felt like, and I know you feel the same way, that the attention needed to be on that conversation because that is a lot more deep than just the scope of sports, right? So I hope everyone legitimately got a lot out of this conversation tonight because this was one of my more favorite episodes that we have done. We're on episode 42. We're coming up on the 50th episode, which is the gold anniversary, David, just for your planning of presence um, in the future. <laughs> so thankful to Derek for coming on. Thankful to Everybody that makes this possible week in and week out, one institution, Mav Sports Consulting, Mav Sports Take is a growing brand. We appreciate everybody that has stuck with us tonight, has listened to the conversations, tunes in all 42 weeks. And I thank you, David Turner. And I'm going to leave it off with you, my friends. Well, I appreciate it. And I, you know what I appreciated was Derek coming on and talking about this muddy ball of, uh, of rock going through the, you know, the universe and how we're all on it together. And we got to, you know, willingly, separate ourselves from the fan and the human being that we should be you know it's fun to get frothy and enjoy a a good you know shit talking session in the stands just don't let it get out of control and contain yourself and and like you said it's a choice if you choose not to don't give me i couldn't calm myself down everybody has a choice and you're choosing not to calm yourself if you if you let it get out of whack and you know for my conversation the conversation tonight with derek and you um it really was just, it was about sports because humans make up sports. We, like Derek said, we all put our shoes on the same. We all, you know, put our legs in one, one leg at a time, you know, when we're getting dressed and we all crap the same and it is what it is. It's like, don't over emphasize. Remember when Charles Barkley was like, I'm not your role model. And it's like, you know, I'm not here to be your role model. And Derek's like, no, you are. But the message really is, you know, Charles Barkley is just a human being. And, you know, when you see him out, it's like we we over celebritize these guys and celebrity them into the death where people are like, I can't talk to him. I'm so nervous. I can't say hi. And they're human, you know, and one aspect the NFL, I think, is missing on in my mind. It was something we did in the arena league. Actually, we used to invite the fans to the field for 20 minute autograph sessions after the game. And set up tables where the cheerleaders and the players and the coaches were required to sit for 20 minutes and sign autographs. Just to get that 
that human touch back to our fans. So they felt the ownership on the field that day. They bought a ticket, and after the game, they could come on the field and get an autograph. And that kid could go home with an autograph and a conversation with one of his favorite players he just watched play. And now the NFL, they have that separation so far that players, oh, I can't sign that. Oh, I'm not allowed to come over to the stands. And it's like, you know, I remember when I got Ronnie Lott's first autograph from Ronnie Lott, and it solidified me being a Niner fan and Dwight Clark and this and that. And there's not enough of that. And so tonight, hearing how empathy, compassion, social justice, it's all about human beings treating human beings the way they're supposed to be treated, which is with kindness. Yep. And if you're kind to those you come in contact with, hopefully that kindness will be returned on you. Yeah. Now, and that separation piece that you're talking about between the fans and the and the players, like that was kind of what I was talking about before, as far as like you're you're dehumanizing players because they're just you know they're they're not a human, they're not a person that you can just stand in front of that you can look eye to eye and you can have a conversation with. So I think that's a great way to end this Mav Sports Take episode 42. We appreciate everyone again, live viewers or listeners of the podcast on any podcast platform, whether it be Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever, we're on there. We would appreciate everyone. If you want to give us a shout on Twitter, on any social media, you want to go to Apple Podcasts and throw us a five-star review, uh, you know, give us a compliment, tell them David Turner looked pretty on on the uh, live stream this week. Whatever you want to do, we appreciate all the support. We have a lot of awesome updates coming soon from Mad Sports consulting.com so make sure to keep an eye out for everything that we are doing over here we appreciate you all we will be back same time same place next week thank you all appreciate it thanks for listening to another episode of mav sports take connect with us on social media share your thoughts on today's episode and tell us what we should take on next time on mav sports take Want more from our hosts, David and Ryan? Visit mavericksportsconsulting.com and learn how we can help you take the next step in your sports career. Until next time, this is Mav Sports Take. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.